What's up, everybody? This is Anthony Mitchell again with another edition of the Enzone Club, where today we're talking about lost identity. As well as some friends from down in Louisiana and different places, I want to honor each of you guys. So I thank you guys for your presence. But Doc, when you when you extended this invite to me, and and, and after one of the I think it was the Wednesday call, you gave the opportunity. There were some things that we shared. Uh, that that prayer call got really hot and got heavy. The Holy Ghost had His way and immediately called. I I didn't recognize the number, but we began to talk, and you told me about the platform and gave this opportunity. I immediately just began to listen to your heart, and you gave the freedom to be able to share with brothers, but you also wanted me being in the military come also from a military thing. So brothers, if you can just spend the, the, the next few moments, I want to talk with the men about lost identity. Um, I think Doc set me up there when we talked yesterday and he was getting my topic. I said, Doc, I am not going to talk about anything that's going to get us canceled because, you know, of course, we do live in that culture where it takes nothing. You know, you say nothing and people are already up in arms. But when Doc just set me up, that let me know that I have freedom to let God speak. So, guys, just a little bit about myself, as, as you guys heard some of the accolades, one of the biggest things I am proud about is my walk with God. And uh, several years ago, just laying the foundation for this message, several years ago, I was in a place in ministry where I grew up in the church. I was a musician. I had seen a lot of things, both good and bad. This was before Larry D. Re Larry D. Reed, so nobody was exposing a lot of things. So, growing up in the church, I had some experiences that really turned me off. So transitioning out of college i was at a point with god where i was like you know what god catch me if you can i didn't think the holy ghost was fast enough or wise enough or smart enough at that time to catch me because god some of the things i had seen in church had turned me so far off that i said once i get out of college and once i get out of my parents house i'm not coming back i'm not coming back i'm laying this music down i'm laying this ministry down and i'm just going to live life how i see fit well as I was going through this stage and I was preparing for the next level of my life and I've got this, you know, this dysfunctional mindset, it was like a lot of things that I was going after began to fail. At the time I was engaged, that, 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 that engagement fell apart. Things that were working for me in ministry, they began to fail. The job I was working, it was taken out of my hands and it was like everything I was going after, it felt like God was blowing off. So I knew just from experience that somewhere I needed to reconnect with the presence of God. And I also knew that once I could reconnect, that I could move on from there and transition more into what God had me to do. So the year was around 2006 to 2007. And in this time, I remember I was really, I started to really seek the face of God. I really started to get back into a lot of the old fashioned principles that some of the older saints had taught me were effective with reaching God. And one thing I began to do, I began to pray, begin to fast, reconnecting with the heart of God. And I remember one night I had this dream. Now I'm gonna try to make this dream. I I, I mean I, I like I like when it comes to the word being able to be relevant. I know sometimes we can get deep, but sometimes I just like to smile and laugh a little bit. Is that okay with you, brothers, tonight? Come on, bring it up. Well, on. brothers, I was in this dream, and in, in this dream I'm standing in a big pasture. And I mean, you know, I'm, I'm army brat myself, my parents from the military, I've lived around. But for those of you in the country, y'all know it, everybody's got a big, a bunch of yard, a bunch of pastures. So I'm in this pasture and I'm noticing that there's like a forest edge on the pasture. And I'm 
noticing that there's a commotion coming from inside the fort. Well, me being curious, and I don't know why, because I've seen enough scary movies to know not to be the first one at the scene of a commotion. I see the trees in the forest shaking. And so in my curiosity, I begin to move closer to the forest. And then all of a sudden, I notice I'm in there. And God began to fix my attention on what was going on. And brothers, what I noticed was right there in the forest that there was a big rhinoceros. And it was hitting trees with a loud thump. It was going from tree to tree. It was knocking them down. At the moment, I didn't understand what was going on or what God was showing me. So I just intently, I watched. And as I'm watching, I noticed as the rhinoceros is knocking down trees, that it begins to climb the trees and it begins to strip them of their leaves. So I sit back and I'm asking God, I said, God, what is the purpose of what I'm seeing? And he says, what you're seeing are these trees are symbolic of men. And these leaves are their identity. There is a demonic force that is in the land that has a mandate to knock men out of position and to strip them of our identity. As I sat back and I watched that, I, of course, the dream would later on go where I would go and get in the safe place and get more understanding of what God was showing me in that dream. But just as an underlying brothers if any of you are taking notes mental notes written notes i want you to think about this that there is a demonic mandate to knock down men out of their position out of their roles and to strip them of their identity now one thing i have found out since that dream and moving on in ministry just ministering with a bunch of men i have found out that a lot of men identify more with what they do versus who they are a lot of men find identity and what they do versus who they are and what I find that with that is when your what you do changes, a lot of times you don't know who you are. You don't know a lot about the ministry God has put in you. You don't know enough about the gifts that God has placed in you to be effective. And a lot of men will search their whole lives trying to find purpose for what's the reason that God put them here on this earth because they spent all their time focusing on what they do. So when you can't identify, we as men can't identify what my purpose is in life, the enemy will do all he can to keep you from it. Because one thing we know from the very beginning of time that when God placed us here as men, he put in us a divine design that made us in his image that what he did, we are now kingdom servants here in this earth that we can replicate his success. If he was successful speaking the word and people were healed, guess what? We have that same power. If he was able to walk a life of integrity, guess what? We have that same power. But brothers, moving on, one of the first areas that God has called us to walk in that I've noticed that the enemy really fights us to strip us of our identity is in our ability to be team builders. Now, something God told Adam, going back to Genesis, the first chapter, he told Adam, for this cause, should a man leave his father and mother and he should cleave unto his wife and they shall become one flesh. One of the first things that God ordained was the institution of marriage. Now, what is very particular about what God told Adam is at that time, Adam, unlike us, did not have an earthly mother or father. He did not have a family. So he had nothing to relate what God was speaking to him. Well, one thing about God is sometimes he'll give wisdom for those who need it before it's needed. What Adam was given was for us. So sometimes we as men, I see a lot of men now that want to play the field, that want all the goods, but they don't want the responsibility of being team builders. Now, many of us know that family is probably one of the first institutions that God set up. So it's important to him, but it's not the only team 
that he's got. But before we go there, something I want to point out is that as a team, you're able to accomplish a whole lot more together than you are individually. You know, I know some of us as men, we're strong, right? We're strong. We can bear a lot on ourselves, on our shoulders. We feel like a lot of times if we have to walk alone, we will walk alone. But ultimately, God's divine design was for us to be a part of a team and to sit in a leadership position because as a team, we are able to accomplish a lot more together than we are apart. They say that great teams have success for a number of reasons, but at the top of that list is having leaders who can function in a team capacity. Now, I'm a big 49er fan. I know somebody mentioned the Cowboys, and, you know, I give Doc and different guys a hard time. And, you know, of course, Randall, we know he played all respect to that. But one thing I've noticed about successful teams, you always have leaders. And I think in this area is where a lot of men are afraid to step up and take leadership. Because something about leadership is sometimes it's an uncomfortable stance. Sometimes it requires uncomfortable positions. It requires you to make uncomfortable decisions. Sometimes you don't have all the answers. Sometimes you don't know, but when you are a part of a team, sometimes there's something your teammates have that you don't have. I want you guys to think about it. Those who have had the idea to start a family or start this team and they walked away from it. Now, moving on from there, and when we're born, of course, we're born by ourselves. We're born as our own individual. But moving into a team, sometimes you have to step away from that individual mindset. You're no longer a single man when you're married. Um, this mindset also helps you to develop vision. When you develop vision, you're able to look at the people all around you and know what position they should play. You're able to know what role they best fit in and what responsibilities they can carry out. In the military, I think about this when we start talking about identity. I remember joining the Air Force. I was a little older than some of the guys in the flight with me. So in my mind, my identity, I thought was already set, right? So I'm gonna just tell off by myself a little bit because I remember when, for those who don't know, the Air Force is probably one branch that does their basic training. All airmen that have ever come through the Air Force have all done their training in San Antonio, Texas, down at Lackland Air Force Base. So brothers, this is probably the most chaotic yet organized time of, of stress, of pressure that I have ever been through. So I remember guys, they, they specifically got us there about two o'clock that morning and we get off the bus and I remember sitting on the bus. I'm tired, I'm sleepy, I, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm like, you know what? I don't even know what I signed up for. So we're sitting there on the bus and they're yelling, everybody, go, 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 go. That's something the military is big about. Everything is in a hurry. There's a sense of urgency with everything we do, even if it's just scratching your head. Hurry up, get it scratched. Go on to the next thing. So as I'm sitting here on the bus, our training instructor comes on, he's yelling, and I'm laughing because this is all funny at the time. I'm just wondering, God, I don't know what I've done. And man, he's yelling, his voice is cracking. I'm laughing. He wants to know what's funny. I can't get the smile off my face. And as I exit the bus, I'm still laughing. He's like, Trady, you got two seconds. Get that smile off your face. And I'm trying to be serious, but I realized he was new. I had already picked this out. But as I'm laughing, there's another training instructor. I don't hear him. I don't see him. But brother, he slid up on me like a snake. And I mean, brother, this guy had like 1% like body fat, cut up guy. And he gets in my face with his wide grin hat. And I could count every muscle in his face. And at that moment, before he said a word, I'll tell you, brother, my smile left. And he said, training, I'm going to ask you one time and one time only. What's so funny? 
Well, in that moment, I had my welcome to the Air Force experience. So here we are now moving on talking about another form of thing. We've got 50 different guys in a room together. You've got guys from all over, guys from Mexico, from Jamaica. And everywhere these guys are from, they're all somebody. You've got some guys that have played professional sports. You've got some guys from Colorado that where they were, they were they were well known for being these, you know, tremendous athletes with snowboarding and skiing and all these extreme outdoor events. And you've got these guys from Memphis and all these different places who are somebody. And guys, it's almost like a reality show because they put you in this high-pressure situation. You've got all these personalities. They dump you in this room, and then they want to see who can handle the pressure. Well, guys, for about four or five weeks there, I'm doing good. I'm like the team encourager. Every time I see a guy down, I'm trying to lift him up. Every time something's going on, I'm that guy that I'm a ear. When guys are having their breaking point, I'm telling them, hey, let's go, let's go. And during that time, for about the first four weeks, we were highly dysfunctional. You had guys that were, you know, that were saying, hey, I need to get out of here. And they were doing all they could to get out. But as we stuck with it, we began to see that team beginning to galvanize. Now, as we were once, I was having to break up fights between guys at week one, at week four. Now we're starting to see the brotherhood forming. And now we're starting to see it come together. But guys, I myself, about week six, reached a breaking point. And I was like, you know what? This is not even for me. I'm going to go home, take care of my family. It is what it is. And in that moment, I had guys from my fight that was like, Aunt, we can't let you do this. You know, you've been like a father to many of us. You've been an encourager. We respect you too much to let you throw this away. And in that moment, I understood the importance of leadership because sometimes what you're doing as a man, as a team builder, sometimes it's not about you at that moment, but every seed you plant, you will ultimately feast on it. So guys, as we're sitting here and as we're encouraging each other, now we get to that moment where after eight and a half weeks of having your head shaved, every time you start growing hair back, you like you tell a barber, hey, give me, give me a fade. Kind of take a little here and there, but the barber's not listening. He's shaving your head, and everybody, the first thing we do after hair is that we go in the mirror because now you start noticing little bumps in your head you didn't know you had, little dents. And he's like, I didn't know my head was shaped like that, but what they were doing was they, was they were breaking you down. A lot of, they, they see you when you came in the door as an uncivilized civilian, but now they're turning you into a, a, a war machine. Now they're turning you to somebody that can handle instruction. Now they're telling, teaching you what it takes to make it in the military. So when you get to that point where you're standing in this big coliseum where every other airman that has come through since the 1940s that has come through the United States Air Force, the number one Air Force in the world, you're standing in that same place they were, and people are cheering for you. They're calling your name, and somebody gives you a coin and says, welcome to the United States Air Force. The reality, yes, that was a singular accomplishment, but we couldn't get it done without a team. So what, where we are with this one, where we see we as men have been stripped, sometimes when we as men come together. Also something we do is we work in the community and we always have to build teams to make things work because the, the work is so great anytime you're trying to do community work that you can't do it alone. And that's something men, we all have to realize, I cannot do this alone. But when we get in the community, brothers, and we get other guys together and try to make things happen, there are two things that always pop up that ego and the need for recognition. Good leaders are able to see the vision and what is trying to be accomplished. So sometimes God doesn't give everybody the grace maybe to have a wife or to have kids, 
but you were going to build a team in other places. Some of you guys, God has allowed you to be a leader at your job. God has allowed you to be a leader and another sphere of influence. But I want to tell you, when opportunities to stand up and to be counted for present themselves, do not run from the responsibility. Sometimes you're going to have to stand alone. Again, you're going to have to make an unpopular decision, but if you know that what I'm standing for and what I'm standing on is right, you know that, that God himself and the angels of heaven will back you. Going back to the military experience, brothers, now again, we, we we're in this cancel culture. As we're getting ready to come to this point of graduation, a lot of guys have family flying in from all over the world. It's an exciting moment. Somehow, we had a group of females in a female flight that falsely accused one of the guys in our flight of sexual harassment. I knew it was not true. We didn't know about it until we were, I mean, we had people from all over. Sexual harassment is a really big uh, topic, and it's something that should not be taken lightly. It's something that should be investigated when it happens, but it was false. It was a false situation. Somebody didn't like us because we... They thought we were we worked together too hard, so they had it out against us, and they filed this accusation. And in that moment, without an investigation, we had all of our freedom taken away from us. So, guys, I can say a whole lot during basic training. I let guys kind of be leaders. The, the, some of the young men that had never never been in position, I allowed this to be their opportunity to grow because we were already leaders at home. But in this moment, when these accusations were railed against us, there was a time when now. We have a master sergeant who's a senior non-commissioned officer. He gets my flight in a room. And I mean, he is downing us and he's talking down to us. Now here he is. He's got all these stripes on his arm and I've got none. But it's like I'm in this moment and I realize that now this moment is bigger than me. It's bigger. It's not about me. You've got these guys that have worked hard for this moment to be able to see their families, to be able to present themselves, transform. Some guys had lost 40 or 50 pounds during this experience. And they were excited to see family, and now that was about to be taken away from them on a lot. So as he's in there and he's railing on us and he's saying all these crazy things, brother, the Holy Ghost stood up in me, and I stood up, and me and him went toe-to-toe -to -toe for about 30 minutes. Now, I knew that what I'd done was a direct insubordination, but I knew that if I did not speak up for my brothers, that this was going to follow us the rest of our military career. Every time somebody looked at our promotion package, that, that red stain was always going to be there. And somehow in the back of the class, my training instructor was back there. Both of them were back there. They got up and walked out the class. And they let us go at it for 30 minutes, back and forth. Well, after that whole transaction is over, I'm a little nervous because I don't know what to expect next. Well, when we get back to our, our flight, or back to our room, and all the guys are in there, we're called back again now with our training instructors. And they're looking around the room. They said, where's he at? Where's you? They said, when you spoke as powerfully as you did, we knew because we watched you for the last eight and a half weeks. We knew your character. We knew you were not a trouble star. But when you refused to let that die, we knew that you were telling the truth. Well, guys, that same day, little did we know there had been an investigation launched, and we were cleared of this false accusation and i went back to that master sergeant and i really and I, I had more words for him because i said you as a leader you made a bad call you made a bad choice you handled this the wrong way and the fact that you don't have the gall to come apologize to these men don't apologize to me apologize to these men who have worked hard following your example of leadership and now if you don't change this somebody in this flight is going to follow in this path of leadership that you set and he refused to do it 
but we talked to the guys and everything was good. They got a chance to see their family. But that's something leadership does. If you're going to be a part of the team, don't always just be about yourself. Be about the people around you. Because once everyone knows the, their role and they begin to play it, that's when true success begins. Guys, another area just moving on. How much time do I have, Doc? You got another hour. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not gonna take an hour. Another area. Another five minutes. Another five minutes? Yes. Okay, another area that I noticed, and I'm going to rush through this real quickly, but another area that I noticed the enemy has been fighting men and, and trying to strip us of our identity is in our discipline. Going back to the dream that I shared earlier, God spoke a scripture from Proverbs, the sixth chapter. And in the sixth chapter, there was a demonic force of spirit that had taken down many mighty men, and it bragged about it. Now, me as a man, I am very observant, and I've seen that there are specific things that have taken down a lot of powerful men. I encourage young men all the time, pay attention to what a lot of men are falling through, whether it's money or, the, or wanting to chase money, the need for power, if it's you know any form of lust, whatever these forces are that are taking men out, pay attention to that. Because a lot of where we fail is indirectly tied to where we are not disciplined. Any Olympic athlete, any, any military hero, any great leader would tell you the foundation for their standard was in their discipline. Now, brothers, real quickly, I gotta, I'm, I'm gonna cut this short, but I've gotta tell on myself a minute because during this COVID, the military cut our PT test out. Now, as you guys know, I don't care how smart you are, how good you can do your job. If you cannot pass this physical training test, you will not be in the military. They will give you a few times and a few failures. You'll start losing stripes. You'll start losing the position, but then you'll find yourself out the door. So I noticed when they took away this PT test, brothers, I don't know what happened, but I'm sitting at home one day and I start noticing my shirt was fitting a little tight around my neck. It was fitting tight around my arm. So I take that off. I go try to put on another shirt. It don't fit. I try to put on a pair of jeans. They don't fit. And I'm looking at my wife and I'm like, did she change the detergent? Is she using a new kind of water? You know how we do it. Sometimes we don't see it. But the reality was, Mitchell, you were gaining weight. And during this COVID, my discipline or lack in certain areas began to show. And before I knew it, I was up 30 pounds. Well, what I had to do in that moment, brothers, I had to go back to the foundation of what got me there. I had to make a contract with myself where I wrote it out, being to talk with my wife about some goals I wanted to accomplish. And I started looking at things that I was a part of that was leaning to this unhealthy lifestyle. We as men, we have to be observant of people that have disciplined lifestyles and see what kind of habits they have. And let's do what we can to replicate that. Um, Something I do want to say real quickly to the brothers is without a standard or having developed a disciplined life, it's going to be very hard for any of us to be successful in any area of life. You know, for those of you brothers that have played professional athletes at a very high level, you had a very skilled and very trained regimen. You knew it at a certain time, I have to be up, I have to be working this muscle today, this body group, this is what I'm eating, this is what I'm not eating, even some things I don't like, I'm going to do this because this is what it brings about. A lot of us men are not disciplined in certain areas, and it is the cause of some of our greatest failures. And the third area that I wanted to talk about where the enemy was stripping us from is a lot of us really don't know who we are. 
and who you are is tied in indirectly with knowing that God gave you a birthright as a man here in this earth to follow our kingdom mission and mandate and he gave you a ministry and a set of tools and what we call gifts to work with which the Holy Ghost himself is willing to empower to make you effective to do these things because sometimes brothers I want to wrap this all up in saying leadership identity things that the enemy is trying to take from us it's such a blessed thing when you have something so great on the inside of you that the enemy himself is trying to get to you before you can develop that very ministry that knowing that god saw fit to send his only son to die for you while we were yet sinners and didn't know that we had need of a savior to know that what's inside of each of my men is going to be enough to shake the very foundations of this world let me give this one this let me give this one that that's what's in you and i encourage you brothers if you are not walking in purpose yet if you don't quite know your spiritual identity yet Seek God. Get around brothers that that this is their drive. That yes, I mean they're they're, they're earthly men. I mean they're in this body. They're having this experience, but the thing they want more than anything is to please God. Get around some men that have a life of worship, that have a life of praise, that even when you as a man have an unspoken prayer request, or you feel like you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders and you're wondering, who do I know that can get a prayer through? Get around a man that has a spiritual identity because he is going to know how to connect you to the life source. And because of the wisdom God has put in you, he will be able to fish what's in you out. So, brothers, with that said, that is my time. I want to thank each of you for coming out and listening to this message about lost identity. But, brothers, if you don't get anything else, get this. There is an enemy that is out, and he has a mandate to knock men out of position and to strip us of our identity and give us his vision of what he thinks men are. And, guys, if you're paying attention, that's all subjective.